0: This is Making Shift Happen, and I'm your host, Jen Cates. Over the years, I've coached hundreds of clients to find their ideal self through the way they nourish their bodies and minds. And now I'm here to help pass on these same strategies to you. So let's stop the madness and get your results once and for all. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining today. Uh, Today's topic was, it's something that I've really started to Pay greater attention to just because my own training has actually evolved, uh, especially these last couple of weeks to include a little bit more indoor bike rides, which I know probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it is in the middle of the summer right now. You know, we're gosh, uh, right near the end of July, getting into August and the weather is decent. We don't really have a whole lot of wildfire smoke here in Colorado at this time, at least not yet. So why am I doing a lot more indoor training? Let me explain. So I did actually hire a coach recently, just because I wanted to learn more from her. She is a professional mountain bike biker herself, uh, as well as a, a cyclist that does a lot of cross um, and and strength and things like that. So she is a multi disciplinary type of rider, and I hired her for a reason. First of all, accountability can't beat a coach coaches accountability, especially when you're in the one-to-one coaching format versus a group training format. Okay. So I needed that, uh, especially with as busy as I am with my business and things like that, and as well as with my own clients, because this is what happens. And it's very typical with coaches. We will bend over backwards to take care of our own people. And sometimes in the process, we can actually, unfortunately, unfortunately neglect ourselves. So I hired her. And super stoked about this because here's the thing is every coach that I hire is someone that I'm going to be learning from. You know, my intention is with hiring her, I will be working with her for at least a year. That way we can get through the entire year in terms of programming and everything like that. She is doing a little bit of my strength programming, full disclosure, but you know, to be honest with me, to be honest with you, she's not a strength athlete. Uh, like I am, like I'm a strength athlete first, mountain biker second, but mountain biking is my true passion. So it's one of those things where, you know, for her strength, isn't necessarily her forte, her forte or her strength is training intervals, you know, programming intervals, programming the progression throughout the entire season to support whatever my goals are for 2022. So, I am going to be still doing my own strength training program, which is the Shred Strong program. If you haven't learned about that yet, please check out the website. But um, I will still be doing my own strength programming with her like accessory stuff, uh, just because, you know, it's kind of fun. It's something different. And I always learn from something. And that's the key is I, I, I hired her to To hold me accountable, sure, but then also to learn because that's the thing is when you're hiring someone, you know, the intention is for you to learn. The intention is for you when you're reading through the instructions for you to understand, okay, this is the intention of this workout. This is actually what I should be focusing on. This is how many reps I should be going for or this is how many intervals this is, you know, uh, meant to be. Done it this type of intensity, and this is the reason why. Blah blah blah. Because the more that you can understand the intention behind the actually the actual training, then the better you're going to just understand, and the better you're going to be invested too. That's one reason why, even in the Shred Strong program, which is a group program that I have, it's not even for my one to one clients, but in the group programming, I do have in the instructions for every set of you know two to four week cycles uh just details on hey this is what you should focus on this is the intention of the next four weeks this is why we're doing it and this is what you should be bringing or focusing on at this time you know maybe it's strength maybe it's stability maybe it's power more power movements being involved so on and so forth because if you're not understanding it then you're just kind of going through the motions and that's unfortunate so with my new training with my new coach. I am doing uh, 2 days a week of intervals. And the intervals I can do outside, uh, preferably on flat terrain on my bike, but I do have a Wahoo kicker set up in in my bedroom and you know, I have my road bike attached to it. Right now it's ready to go. And here's the thing with indoor training, it's easy. It's it's so time efficient. It's the most time efficient thing that you can do besides literally taking your bike outside your door and leaving right from your front door, you know, but even that can be time consuming because then you have to pack snacks. You have to make sure all of your water bottles are full. You have any rain gear that you might need, anything that you might need, flat kit, you know, all of this stuff. You just need to make sure that you're ready for that actual ride out in the elements Which again is great because I love being exposed to the elements because that is a part of training as well. But the thing with indoor training is it is maximum efficiency. So if you are a very busy individual, you might be a parent, you might just have a lot of responsibilities on your plate, you might have some sick children or sick parents that you're taking care of, whatever those stressors are in your life. If you have limited time, then your chances of getting that workout done, that interval session done is going to be slim, if not nil. So the key here is to make your workouts as efficient as possible and make them as accessible as possible. And to me, indoor training, that's the way to go. It's easy. I have no excuses. Rain, like weather is not an issue. Uh, At least it shouldn't be. I don't have to worry about packing any type of food or anything like that. And, you know, something that my friends <laughs> give me a hard time about is I joke about how indoor training allows not only for efficiency in terms of me getting started, but after I'm done an hour or so later, I can then take a shower and eat like right away. And I mean, you know, I I know that you all who are listening already realize and are are aware of how important eating is for me. So that's important for me because especially if I have more client work to do or work more work to do period, or if I'm coaching classes later in the day, then it's one of those situations where me getting in and out of my own workout and taking care of myself and focusing on myself in an hour and I'm done. And then I can eat and shower right afterwards. To me, that's a win-win scenario. So I, I, love doing indoor interval sessions. they're fantastic. sure I don't get outside in the in, in the elements or whatnot but that's why I take re- you know two long walks a day with with Milo and the family because that's my way of getting outside and connect, connecting with nature and just getting some fresh air. So one thing just to explain why the hell I'm talking about indoor bike training during the middle of summer there is a reason and that's because indoor bike training can honestly be used year round. Wildfire smoke, Weather going awry? It doesn't matter. You always have access to an indoor bike or some form of training that is monostructural mono, mono in, you know, in its uh, in its form, and that's what is key for cardio and cardiorespiratory, you know, advancements and just growth, and that's what I need right now in terms of my training. Okay. So today we're going to be talking about four ways to optimize your indoor bike rides. First thing, breath work. Breath work is something that you can easily focus on while you're indoors because you don't have the outside stimulation of dodging traffic or dodging other riders or, you know, dodging pedestrians or whatever is on your trail or on the greenway or road or, or anything in between. So it's one of those things where you are just on your bike, you're pedaling, you're stationary. You don't have to worry about anything at all. You can therefore focus on what the hell your body is doing in that space. So breath work. Now I will go ahead and say full disclosure, There are plenty of coaches out there that poo-poo and shit all over the idea of breath work because to them, you're breathing, great, you're good. Dust your hands off, you're good. Walk away. Wrong. Sorry. You're, what you're doing right now to stay alive, that's not breath work. That's respiration, okay? Yeah, you're breathing in and out, but that's just for life. That's just because it's natural. However... The difference here, and I will put those coaches to shame right now, is, okay, you're capable of, of respiring, you're capable of respiration here, breathing in and out, but you might be breathing up in your chest. You're not breathing effectively. You're not breathing efficiently. So talking about efficiency with you know me <laughs> being keen on the indoor rides for an hour, hey, breathing can also be just as efficient. It can be made to be efficient, especially for your aerobic endeavors. And by aerobic endeavors, I mean longer bouts, longer bike rides, things that are a little bit longer in duration, not short, punchy climbs, not things that need to channel your anaerobic or without oxygen, uh, things that are channeling your anaerobic uh, functionality as a human. Okay. So. If you're doing an aerobic sport, if you're going for a mountain bike ride or a bike ride that is a little bit longer in duration in terms of like, you know, 30 minutes to an hour or more, which I think all of us who are listening are doing, or even if you're a runner, if you're going for a longer distance run, great. This is what's going to cater to that. Now with breath work, what I mean is really trying to open up your breath down into your belly. So your your chances are really high that you're a chest breather. So you're already breathing mostly into your upper chest. And this is just because of the nature of breathing in terms of stress and just how we as humans usually breathe, all right? Uh, Generally, we default to chest breathing or breathing a little bit higher into into our chest rather. What I want you to do is ideally, I want you to default to being able to breathe into your stomach, be- being able to breathe into your diaphragm, because man, the diaphragm, this is one of the most underrated muscles in the human body, yet it is the most important because that is the muscle that actually causes you to breathe. And that is what brings you life. That is what gives you life is your breath. So it's one of those things where when you're on a trainer, on you're on your indoor you know bike whatever that is if it's peloton you know whatever the brand is doesn't matter as long as you're on an indoor bike of some sort this is where you can really focus on especially your non interval sessions this is when you can really focus on breathing into the stomach and breathing into your diaphragm into your belly into your belly button whatever whatever cue you need this is all applicable to the same thing and it's all going into that same purpose of just doing your belly breath and doing your belly breathing so i want you to just sit here as you're listening to this, and focus on breathing into your stomach. And when you breathe in, I want you to see if you can push that belly button or your belly out. So as you breathe in, that belly, that lower abdomen area should be going out a little bit. It might feel a little bit weird at first, especially if you are a little bit of an overly stressed individual, or maybe you have asthma or some other breathing issue like I do that could maybe inhibit some some breath work into your stomach. It can just it, it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel natural and that's fine because remember the way that you grow and the way that you advance and improve is getting a little uncomfortable and doing things that are not comfortable, they're not typical for you. And so that's where it's really key for you to get uncomfortable. try these things and practice, practice, practice them. okay So anytime you're on, your indoor bike, it's a great time to practice breath work into your stomach, into your belly button. Second thing, and this is really important because again, it goes hand in hand with acknowledging your core. It's core engagement. So when you're on your bike and you're inside and you're on a stable trainer, you're not in an environment that is dynamic and that is ever changing or that has potholes or people or, you know, whatever that you're trying to dodge. And because of that, sometimes we can get a little bit too relaxed when we're on the indoor trainer. And that's unfortunate because honestly, the more tension that you have in your body on the bike, still relaxed, but the more mindful tension that you have in your body, the more you're actually able to transfer power to your pedals. I cannot emphasize this enough. This is something where when you're doing indoor training, if you're not tight and sound, on, you you know, regarding your form on the bike and you don't have that core engaged, guess what? You're going to have a hard time translating power to those pedals, no matter how strong of a rider you are. It's just going to be a little bit harder. You're going to feel like you're going through kind of molasses and you're just going to feel a little bit, uh, kind of like th- there's just thickness onto your pedals. Okay. So engage the core. What you can do is when you're really trying to dial in your breath work and get a, get mindful of what that feels like and breathing into your belly, then I want you to also engage that core. Imagine that you are trying to stabilize yourself on that bike because you're not stabilizing yourself outside. So you need to imagine that you're stabilizing yourself on the indoor bike trainer now of course if you're on rollers then yeah you're going to be stabilizing with the core naturally because you're you are on a dynamic surface that is it's a stable surface but the rollers provide a dynamic uh scenario to it so you know whereas on my wahoo um kicker, that's going to be a stable surface. The only thing that's moving is honestly my chain and my pedals. So I am about as stable as possible. I know the new Wahoo kickers do have a little bit of flex in terms of going left and right and things like that, but it's, it's not going to be a ton. Although I will say that added benefit, uh, of the flexion in the Wahoo kickers is going to help encourage core engagement. So high fives to Wahoo for doing that and developing that and putting it, putting that in their new, in their newest release, uh, which they just released in 2021. So definitely check that out. I I will go ahead and, and link it into the show notes. I don't get any money for, for kicking back, uh, anything to Wahoo. Honestly, it's just a product that I really like. I know it's a product that many of my clients also use and like, and, uh, you know, they make good quality stuff. So definitely something to check out, but with core engagement, this goes hand in hand with my third thing that I wanted to talk about, which is dialed, having a dialed bike position with tension in your body, in that in that position that you're on the bike. So this is where core engagement goes hand in hand with having a dialed bike position. So these will these are kind of like a couple, and I'm going to talk about them like a couple. Uh, but I did want to single out core engagement because that is going to be the most key thing for you to engage when you're on your bike, no matter what, indoor, outdoor, it doesn't really matter. But engaging your core is really what's going to be key in terms of keeping yourself on the bike effectively and being efficient with your pedal strokes. So with that third point, the dialed bike position with added tension from your body, what I mean by that is I want you to just You know, close your eyes if it's safe for you to do, or I just want you to kind of think about or imagine yourself on your bike right now, especially if you do have an indoor trainer, imagine yourself on the indoor trainer, whether that's on a road bike or, you know, curly bar, whatever, or your mountain bike. So if it's a straight bar, it doesn't really matter, but I want you to imagine your hands are on the handlebars. And if you're, if you do have a road bike, like I do, then chances are your hands are going to be up on the hoods. Okay. So get a little bit further Uh, away from your body and that's totally fine it's kind of a natural position for most of us who who ride road or cross or what have you or gravel so imagine your hands are on your hoods you're going to then have your elbows direct it towards you so they're going to be out kind of and still in front of you, you know you're going to be in that little slouched over position again. Your core is going to be engaged, all right, which I'll talk about here in a second. But with your elbows bent, you're going to have your forearms relatively parallel to the ground beneath you. Okay, hands are on the hoods. Your wrists are, are relatively flexed in terms of just a comfort level in order for your hands to actually fit around your your hoods. So. In that position, I want you to actually pull back on your handlebars. When you pull back on your handlebars, here's the kicker. And this is something that has been ingrained into my brain with all the coaches I've worked with over the, not all of them, but actually a couple of good coaches, I should say, that I've worked with over the years, as well as, you know, what I really try to, to encourage with my own clients. And that is just a matter of keeping those elbows and pulling back on the handlebars like towards your elbows, okay? So you're really just driving things through your elbows. Once you drive and you add that tension through your elbows, you're actually going to be engaging your lats or your latissimus dorsi muscles, which are pretty much those back muscles that you're going to see. That that's what creates the wings, quote unquote wings, on any really overly muscular or not overly muscular, but a really muscularized individual or an athlete. If you see those wings kind of on their sides and the back. That, those are the, the lats. And the cool thing with lats is whenever, when, hmm, let me backpedal a little bit here. When you engage your lats, it's actually easier for you to engage your back muscles. It's easier for you to engage your glutes. It's easier for you to engage your hamstrings, your calves, basically all of the muscles that are running from the top of your spine all the way down to the back of your heels or your ankles. That's what we call the posterior chain in terms of coaching. You know, when we're talking about anatomy and things like that, that whole muscle chain is what we call the posterior chain. When you start to engage one muscle group in that, that bundle of muscles, it's easier then to for you to engage other muscles in that group and when you're on a bike guess what your low mu- your low back muscles your rector rathers your rector muscles rather that's what's going to be engaged your glutes are going to be engaged which are really important with your pedal stroke so are your hamstrings so are your calves especially if you're a mountain biker you're a little bit more dynamic on the bike than a road cyclist or a gravel rider or things like that so just think of it this way if you're driving through your elbows from your handlebars You're creating tension with your lats. It is therefore, with that added tension that you're you're generating with your body, it is therefore easier for you to generate the other muscles that you need to recruit. I mean, how freaking awesome is this? So if you're having a hard time and you constantly say, my glutes are sleepy, my glutes are like off, or I've had multiple PTs say this and that about my butt or my hamstrings or whatever, because I'm quad dominant. If you start to slowly engage and you dial in your bike position with added tension on that bike, you're going to therefore have an easier time recruiting your glutes, hamstrings, calves, all of those muscles that you might think you're not able to effectively recruit. Dropping the mic right now. I cannot emphasize this enough. You sometimes have to create tension in your body in order for you to generate the power that you need. The best way for you to do that is to dial in your bike position with some tension. Again, handles on or your hands are going to be on your handlebars or on the hoods of your handlebars, depending on what type of bike you have. Going to drive through those heel or drive through those elbows. When you're doing that, you're engaging your lats. Great. From there, I want you to pretend like you're doing kind of like a little bit of a still keeping your back somewhat flat, I want you to imagine that you're doing a little bit of a flexed ab or a a slight tiny, tiny sit-up, okay? When you do a tiny, tiny sit-up, guess what you're doing? You're engaging the front abdominal muscles. That is what's really going to get you locked and loaded with you being in that position. So I want you to think about this as a dialed bike position with added tension. That is going to be the third most important thing, and that includes that core engagement that I talked about. All right, last but certainly not least, pedal stroke technique. I think a lot of us, you know, who are cyclists, again, we, we're quad dominant, it's a quad dominant sport, that's fine, but sometimes we can be mashers and depending on what type of trainer you have, you might be able to hear what your pedal stroke sounds like. For those of you that have rowers or ergs or ski ski ergs or anything like that at your house that has a built-in fan it's easy for you to kind of hear or if you have an airdyne or a rogue echo bike or something like that you're going to be able to hear your pedal stroke it's going to be you know sound like voo, voo, voo. and you're going to have this like this it's kind of like a dip after the voo, you know it stops and there's like that dip. And in, in, in it becomes a little bit more quiet. That means that your stroke isn't necessarily as smooth. Now, of course, with a ski erg and a row, you know, rowing erg, that doesn't matter. That's the whole intention because that's actually how that movement goes. And with a rower, you know, you're going to have that, those dead spaces a little bit with the fan because it's just going to be kind of slow a little bit, depending on your advancement as an athlete with rowing and things like that. Okay. Um... But on a bike, completely different because with a bike, you want your pedal stroke to be smooth throughout the entire stroke. And of course you have two sides to the stroke. So you want it to be a continuous sound. Now, right now, of course, I told you I have the Wahoo Kicker. I used to have a Cyclops Fluid Trainer, which I loved. Uh, It did find a new home. During uh, the pandemic, beginning of the pandemic, I started to sell kind of all of my old equipment because I was bringing in some new equipment and it did find a new home to some lovely individual here in Denver. But um, the Cyclops Fluid Trainer, I love that damn thing because when you're on it, you can actually hear your pedal stroke a little bit more effectively because it is it is against your back wheel. Okay. So your wheel is on. It's, it's like you're literally riding the bike as is. And what's cool is you could kind of hear when it was dipping, you know, the same noise that I made earlier, and what's cool is when it was dipping, okay, that was an indication that I need to pick up (laughs) my circle, my circle motion or oval motion, whatever cue you need, because I don't think there's a wrong or a right cue, honestly, Uh, because it works for whatever works for you is the right cue. All right. So let's just leave it, leave it at that. But be mindful of the sound of your pedal stroke. And that can actually really help you trigger any type of changes that you might need to make to your actual pedal stroke. And sometimes that means that you need to imagine that you're, you're kind of uh, wiping dog poop off your the bottom of your shoes, for example, on the curb. Okay, so you need to, you need to kind of imagine that you're, you're scraping the bottom of your shoes and then you're still with that same amount of force bringing the foot back around. Okay, so at the bottom of your pedal stroke, you're going to be scraping or kind of going into the bottom of your pedal stroke. You're going to be scraping that boop off your shoe and then you're going to be bringing it up and around and you want, I want you to think about the same amount of tension as the athletic. As you go into the bottom of your pedal stroke, as you're going into the top of the pedal stroke, because you want it to be, again, full circles, full ovals, whatever works for you. And you want it to be complete. You don't want there to be any dead spaces in your pedal stroke. Okay. So hopefully that helps you, helps you have four things to focus on. And again, I'll review them real quick. The four ways to optimize your indoor bike rides include, first of all, breath work. Breath work's a lot different than respiration. Respiration keeps you alive. Breath work is what makes your breathing efficient, especially as an athlete. Get to know your breath work and get to know that belly breathing open up that diaphragm, be friends with your diaphragm. Second core engagement. This will also help a little bit with your diaphragm and just kind of recognizing how the breath work does engage your core and how it does work with your core a little bit more, but core engagement and really locking that mini sit up with that core engagement in the front of your, in the front of your body while you're in that bike, you know, in that kind of tucked over bike position while you're on your trainer, dialing in that core engagement will also help with the third step, which is having a dialed bike position with some added tension, again, driving through those elbows, engaging those lats, getting some of that posterior chain engagement a little bit more effectively through the lat engagement. And then again, that mini sit up, really keeping that nice and dialed. And then last but not least, what I just talked about pedal stroke technique. Focusing on that that stroke technique and really dialing that in, and just listening for yourself, maybe even videoing yourself a little bit from the side uh, while you're on the bike trainer, and just seeing what your pedal stroke looks like, and having someone look at that would make a huge difference. And just keeping it as efficient and as powerful as possible. What's cool is all of these four steps help with translating power to your pedals. I can't emphasize that enough. So why not train it indoors when you don't have to worry about weather, the elements, eating snags, other people, commitments, time commitments, schedule, things like that. So why not focus on all of these things while you're able to focus on these things indoors? And then of course you can apply them outside. Now, this is not my argument to have you work out indoors 100% because hell no, that is not the nature of our sport in terms of biking, if you are a cyclist. So, you know, it's one of those things where I just want you to use the indoor training effectively to complement your outdoor training because outdoor training is necessary to expose yourself to the elements and just the dynamics of a trail and things that are unexpected, you know, for you to be able to encounter those things efficiently and effectively without being stressed out. So indoor training can ultimately impact your outdoor training Times 10, I promise you. But using these four things will really help get you focused and and will also help your indoor training not be boring. Because man, indoor training, it doesn't need to be boring. That's the cool thing. Give yourself some things to focus on. If you're bored in training indoors, this is how you make them make your indoor training not boring. All right. Well, that's all I have for you today, folks. I appreciate you so, so very much. Please If you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, share it on all of your social media accounts, and definitely stay tuned for next week. If you're interested in learning more about the nutrition side of things or about my periodized programming for mountain bikers that I mentioned earlier called Tread Strong, then please, please, please join my email list using the link in the show notes. All you have to do is give me your email address. I don't spam. I maybe email folks like once or twice a month and then i'll let you know about the upcoming launch here uh, that's coming up in the fall and i will of course keep you updated for the upcoming launch of the moderation 365 eating plan for mountain bikers that i'm releasing late this year so i'm personally i'm so excited about these programs they're going to be a blast but for now have a beautiful day and enjoy your indoor training friends